our little Bible reading schedules are flying out of the church. If you haven't picked one up, please do after the service. They're back there in the foyer. Uh, they will help you to stay on course uh, in listening to God. Because when you open the Bible, you're within proximity of the voice of God. And uh, I know I'm really thrilled at how many people have taken that little schedule. If you have a good schedule, don't worry about that one. Uh, but if you don't have a Bible reading schedule, uh, this will be a big help to you. We're going to begin reading today in um, verse 8. Whom having seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Remember I've said to you the last few weeks that uh, these people were going through a real hard time. Uh, they, had, uh, they were suffering persecution from uh, the nation, the nation of Israel. They were persecuting Christians at this time. Uh, they were going through a lot of family persecution because when you, when you change, quote, religions, uh, all kind of bad things happen sometimes uh, from the family aspect. And they were facing that. And uh, they were facing a lot of persecution now from the Roman Empire, from the government. And so uh, Peter is trying to get them to focus on what they have in Jesus Christ. And I think actually whenever we come to the Bible, uh, that should always be our focus, right? Uh, because it encourages us in every situation to know that, hey, listen, what we have is worth more than anything in this whole world. And so even though... Uh, even though everything seems to be messed up around us, uh, we have discovered the pearl of great price. Uh, we've discovered the Lord. Verse 10, it says, Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Uh, here he's talking about prophets. What place do prophets have in the world? When you get your little Bible reading schedule, you're going to run into a lot of prophets. Uh, you're going to read uh, the major prophets, the minor prophets, and you're going to see how a prophet really was, was reacted to the culture and how the culture reacted to him or her. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. The prophets would search, and they were impelled by this search by none other, look at this, by the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. Uh, and uh, they wanted to understand about the sufferings of Christ and then the glories that should follow his suffering. So they had, uh, they had a little insight, these prophets, into the future. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, when I like this, you know, whenever we minister to the Lord, we think, boy, we look out and we say, hey, what's happening? What's happening around me? But oftentimes our ministry is not for ourselves. It's for something in the future. And that's exactly what this is saying right here. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us. Now that's a long time away from the time of the prophets. But to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit. It's interesting that in verse number 11, we have the Spirit of Christ, and now we have the Holy Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit was operative in the Old Testament and uh, certainly in the New Testament as well. Sent from heaven things which angels desire to look into. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Roll up your sleeves intellectually. Um, keep your mind focused on those things which are right. Don't live your life by consensus. Don't look at everybody else and say, hey, listen, where are they going? I guess I'll go with them. Gird up the loins of your mind. You think things that are disciplined. Be sober and rest your, your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Here we find grace. Uh, as obedient children and uh, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, don't live like you used to. As in your ignorance, the reason why you live the way you used to live is because you were uninformed. Don't live like that anymore. But as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Don't divide your secular life from your spiritual life. All your conduct, live a holy life. And then he quotes an Old Testament passage from Leviticus. Uh, be holy for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each man's work, conduct yourselves throughout this time of your stay here in fear. One of these days we have to stand before the Lord. Let's be sober about that. Knowing that you were not, and this is great, redeemed. He uses the word redeemed here because this was a culture of slaves. And they understood what it was to be redeemed, uh, to be purchased. You were not redeemed with corruptible things. No silver and gold could buy your salvation. From your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. Uh, many people have to break the chain of dysfunction in their life. They receive a tradition from their fathers which is, which is not good. And so they have to come to a place in their life to begin a new spiritual chain. And he says here, listen, you've been redeemed not with corruptible things from your... And he says, this is where you used to be, your aimless conduct, received by tradition from your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Uh, Peter is trying to get us to see who we are in Christ, to look at, look at what we have in Christ. And remember last week we talked about this. We've talked about having a salvation of hope. And the Bible, in verse number, verse number 3, uses the term living hope. Now, we have a living hope as a Christian, and that means confident expectation because we have a living Savior. Uh, we have a resurrected Savior. And so, therefore, whenever we get a little shaky uh, in our expectations, we go back to this whole idea of the resurrection. We have a living Christ. We not only have a salvation of hope, we have a salvation of power. Verse 5, chapter 1. We are kept by the power of God through faith. I'm glad that I don't have to keep myself. The Lord keeps me. And uh, I mentioned this last week in the church, some of the elderly saints in the church, God's kept them for a long time. And I'll tell you what, they're still going strong for the Lord. Uh, Whenever we, whenever we commit ourselves to Christ, we commit ourselves not only uh, to salvation, but we commit ourselves to allow him to keep us by faith. And then we have a salvation of trials. And uh, 
And the interesting thing about this, if you weren't here last week, is the fact that we have, the Bible says manifold trials, various, variegated trials, but we also have the manifold grace of God in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. And so we deduce from that this, that for every trial we have in our life, God has a grace for us to somehow survive that trial. God has the support for us somewhere uh, to get us through somehow, and it's by the grace of God. We also have a salvation of revelation. Um, and here, in verse number 10, uh, we find the prophet's place in the world. Prophets played a significant role in the Old Testament. You know, when you're looking for something in the Old Testament, you find it, don't you? You know, if like you're looking for the Holy Spirit, you find him. Uh, if you're looking for angels, they're everywhere, aren't they? Uh, if you're looking for prophets, they come out of the woodwork. And so we, oftentimes we find what we're looking for. And, uh, and so here in verse number 10, uh, we find that uh, the prophet has a very prominent place in the world. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 says, God at various times spoke in various ways to the fathers by the prophets, as in these last days spoken unto us by his son. That was one of his main ways to speak in the Old Testament. But here in verse number 10, the Bible says the prophets are ministering for future generations. And boy, you know, I, I studied this and I looked at this and I thought to myself, boy, that's so applicable to what we're doing in the Christian church. We are ministering today for future generations. You know, we get out there and we do our little thing and we, and we raise this and we do this and we go through all this church kind of structure thing and we think, boy, this is about me but it's for future generations. And, and, you know, I'm convinced of this, that so many people who claim to be a Christian today uh, will not see too much result of, of what they're doing, but, they, but the future impact is absolutely tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. It's like a spiritual tentacles that reach out in a, in a way that you will never know. Uh, it, and so these prophets, they were doing their thing, and they were paying the price, and they were being beat up and killed left and right, but they were ministering for future generations. Look at verse 10. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. It was for someone else. They diligently searched for the meaning of salvation. They only saw salvation at a distance. They wanted to know about the system of salvation. Uh, they, they had little pieces, and, and it's interesting here that they, they tried to put the pieces together. You know, we, we kind of like pat ourselves on the back today because we seemingly know so much. Well, it's pretty easy to do that looking back in hindsight. But, you know, they were curious about the future. Uh, I, um, I was looking in Daniel chapter 2, and, and let's read this together. Look at what Daniel was doing. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. These people became students of their own predictions. They were trying to put together the pieces. They wanted to know about the ultimate salvation. You know, their souls needed to be saved, too. And their work as a prophet couldn't save them. No one's work as a prophet could ever save anybody. Uh, 
No one's work, period, could ever save anybody. And so they were becoming students of their own prophecy. Um, How could they reconcile these things about the suffering Messiah and the conquering Messiah? Well, Peter is trying to say this to the the readers of, of this book. He's saying, listen, don't be discouraged. Look at what you know about God's glorious salvation plan that even the prophets yearn to know about. You and I know about those things today. Jesus referred to this in Matthew thirteen seventeen. He said, Assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it, to hear what you hear and did not hear it. And so Peter's saying, listen, be encouraged. These prophets just wanted to know what you already know. And they wanted to know it so bad. And they were diligent in it. And then he goes on to give a few details in verse 11. Searching what, who, or what manner of time, the circumstances, the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand of the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Who would this person be? When would he come? Here we have the reference to the Spirit of Christ in them. Now that's interesting because uh, sometimes people just, you know, they just kind of say that the age of the Holy Spirit dawned uh, on the day of Pentecost and that was it. But the Holy Spirit's been around for a long time. Uh, It was the Holy Spirit that inspired their predictions. Uh, Today, the Holy Spirit is universally uh, poured out in all believers' life. In the Old Testament times, it was not true. The Holy Spirit would come upon people, would empower people for times, and then, and then withdraw from them. Uh, today, you and I enjoy the wonderful opportunity of having the Holy Spirit in us forever when we are saved. The Holy Spirit does that work of, we call it regeneration, making our spirits alive to God. And, uh, and we have him. Romans 8 9 is a verse that I... Learn to memorize at least the last part of it a long time ago. Let's read it. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. I want you to notice here we have that same statement, spirit of Christ. That's the same statement here we have in 1 Peter. And so Peter was calling the Holy Spirit the spirit of Christ, Paul here is calling the Holy Spirit the same thing, the Spirit of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says this, But the manifestation, let's read it, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of of all. Uh, When we are saved, the Holy Spirit gives you a manifestation of himself, of uh, something to give to other people within the body of Christ. Every single person has something to give. And, uh, and you know, when you're giving, you're never more happy, right? And uh, when you're sharing the blessing that God's given to you with other people, you feel, hey, man, this is really good. I feel good about this. That's the way we're supposed to feel about it. And so the Bible says we all have something to give, a manifestation of the Spirit, so that everybody can be helped in the church. Well, here, I want you to notice, in the last part of verse number 11, Uh, This was what they were looking into, the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Because remember, they saw these two streams. They saw the suffering Messiah, and they saw the the glorious king. And they were trying, like, to 
figure some of this stuff out because they knew about Psalms 22 and they knew about Isaiah 52 and Isaiah 53 and all the glory that should follow uh, the result of this suffering, the age of grace. They didn't understand that. You and I understand it today, the body of Christ on earth. Um, what they were doing was not for themselves. Uh, I want you to keep that in your mind. Uh, don't be looking for instant gratification for what you do uh, in the church or in your spiritual life. Just do it because it is right to do. Can I have an amen? Because it's right to do. Uh, God will always bless when you do what's right to do. Um, and uh, you may not get a big emotional charge out of it. In fact, you probably won't. Uh, but I'll tell you what, you'll have the peace in your heart that you can go home at night and realize you've done what God wants you to do. And that's a good thing. Uh, and, and so they were trying to figure this whole thing out. And look at verse 12. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things. Now, I'm sure that that uh, kind of helped them relax a little bit. Uh, and which now have been reported to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. Now, here we find a note of angels right here. He said that the prophets desired to know what you know. So be encouraged. He said the angels, they're curious about these things too. And so that brings up the whole subject of angels. I like what Luke 15.10 says. Let's read that. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. You know, when a sinner comes to Christ and gives his life to the Lord, a party breaks out somewhere in heaven. And uh, there's rejoicing going on in the presence of the angels. Angels, listen, are in attendance when the church meets together. And they are interested in what's going on. I've read a lot on this. Uh, I don't know if they can fully understand it, but they're, they're quite intelligent. Uh, they are actively involved with the church. And my, by far and away, my favorite verse is Hebrews 1.14. Let's read that. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? That's referring to angels. They're ministering spirits sent forth by God to minister to serve you. They're your servants. Whenever you pray to the Lord, oh Lord, open the way, how does he do it? He sends his angels uh, to serve you, to surround you. And so here the Bible refers to angels. Angels desire to look into these things too. Uh, the next thought we have here in 1 Peter is the fact that the believers walk in the world. Uh, and, uh, and boy, he really gets uh, pointed here in verse number 13. Let's look at it. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Roll up your sleeves in your mind. Don't make decisions based on consensus. Make decisions based on what's right. Be sober. Be serious. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, rest your hope on grace. Grace is a wonderful thing. The Bible says we're saved by grace. We know that we are kept by grace because 1 Corinthians 15.10 says, By the grace of God, I am what I am. The blessing of God. And here the Bible says there's more grace to come 
at the revelation of Jesus Christ, the coming of Christ. And so there's a whole boatload of grace, which we have never experienced yet, on the way. And so he says, listen, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now here in the the next few verses, he gives a number of things that, that motivate us to serve the Lord. And this is the first one, the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the coming of Christ. You know, Christians live oftentimes in the future tense. Uh, like the engaged couple, they make their plans in light of their future. You know, they drive you crazy. You know, they're just working and working and working and planning and planning and planning and thinking about the future. Well, uh, Christians are supposed to think about the, the future too. Uh, and so they make their plans in light of their future. Uh, have a disciplined mind. Our outlook determines, as you know, our outcome. Abraham and Lot, uh, I think, are good illustrations of this. Abraham, remember, was looking for a city whose builder was God, and uh, the world's real estate didn't uh, interest him any. But Lot had his eyes on the flashing lights, and he was attracted to Sodom. And uh, he turned towards Sodom, and he entered Sodom, and Sodom entered him. Abraham brought blessing to his home, and Lot brought judgment to his home. Uh, we have to make decisions not based on uh, what looks good for the present, amen, but what looks good b- because it's right. And so one of these days the Lord's coming back again, and the revelation is, is real. And so that motivates us to, to walk the life that God wants us to walk. And that walk is a walk of holiness in verse number 15. But he who has called you is holy... Uh, be holy in all conduct, because it is written in the Old Testament, be holy for I am holy. Uh, This is a motivational thing, the holiness of God. Uh, The word holy is interesting, it basically means different. And whenever you look at the attributes of God in the Bible, he's quite different, isn't he? He's different than any person that you've ever seen or heard of. And And so he says, listen, I want you to be different too in the world. Not perfect, just different. Second um, Peter one four says this: by which he has given to us exceeding great uh, promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Boy, I like the end of that right there. We are partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The way to escape the clutches of the world is by having a divine nature. And the divine nature is the Holy Spirit. When we have the divine nature, he gives us the strength to say no to the, to the things we should say no to and say yes to the things that we should say yes to. He gives us the courage. He gives us the, uh, the power to do that. Um, and so uh, this is a good thing. We have the divine nature. And he says, I don't want you to live like you lived in the past, uh, before you knew better. He uses the word ignorance here, lack of spiritual intelligence. I know that when you're out and about in your job and you're talking to people, you come away and you go like this, wow, they don't understand. They don't, they just don't understand, right? I mean, they're smart people, sometimes very brilliant, but they don't have spiritual intelligence. Um, don't fashion yourselves uh, by the same 
as you used to as you used to this is very similar to Romans 12 1 and 2 do we have that back there okay let's read this is a long one I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable to God which is your reasonable service and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God boy what a powerful section don't be conformed to this world that means don't be squeezed into the mold of the world and boy the, there's a lot of pressure in that area isn't there come and do come and do this come and do that hey listen wh why can't you do this you know uh, Paul says listen resist all that don't be conformed to this world instead be transformed by the renewing of your what your mind the way your mind is renewed is whenever you assimilate God's word into your head and God changes your mind the word the meaning of the word transform is change by the changing of your mind so that then you're able to to know what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God uh, and he says uh, and all that we do should reflect the holiness of God now remember holiness is not perfection I know a lot of people beat themselves up because they look at themselves and they feel you know I'm I'm not a very perfect Christian well don't you ever even think about that you know perfection is not something that we're ever going to get near in this life uh, we're just supposed to be maturing Christians that was we're supposed to be spiritually growing Christians I remember years ago uh, when we had our Christian school and uh, we had at that time 45 employees here at the church for years and years and years I grew old quickly during those years you try to meet that payroll 45 employees and uh, all these people all the parents and all the young people uh, all the week after week after week year after year after year and uh, I remember we had so many deacons meetings and they were uh, they were kinda like above the board uh, on the school board and uh, we were always dealing with something and uh, I remember Don Meadows whenever Don Don was one of our important deacons in the church and and he'd been a Christian forever and he'd he'd been he'd seen everything and done everything and we'd be all up hyper what are we going to do you know the end of the world is near and Don would say listen just relax you know just relax let me tell you what to do and it was like oh thank God now Don wasn't perfect and Barb would tell you that uh, she would testify to that but he was mature and he was growing and so that's what that word means be holy as I am holy just stay on your maturity track just keep growing uh, don't beat yourself up because you're not perfect uh, perfection will come later not now uh, the next thing we find is in verse number 16 uh, because it is written we are motivated to serve the Lord because we have the Word of God that's our operational manual uh, because it is written Jesus made that statement many times uh, isn't it written because it's written Jesus used the Word of God to defeat Satan when he was when he was tempted by him and you know what the Word of God produces holiness now we already have the command to be holy 
But look at what Jesus said in John 17, 17. Look at it. Let's read it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify means to be holy. And so the way to obey the command to be holy is to get into proximity of the truth to be sanctified. And so it's just as simple as this, that we, that we assimilate God's word, God changes our mind, God changes us in many ways, and we are becoming more holy, more different, more changed by the power of God. So we have the Bible. Uh, I love Psalm 119, 105. Let's read it. The word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And, and so uh, the Bible speaks on these issues of conduct. And so when something comes up, uh, we should say, what does the Bible say? I remember when I was trying to raise my two older kids, and I emphasized trying to raise my two older kids. I didn't do a good job at all. And uh, I, am, I imposed upon them a lot of uh, things that weren't, uh, you know, you, you couldn't find too much substantiation substance for them. I wanted them to live in, in a box, I think. And I remember my boy Johnny, I was driving him home from church one time, and, and uh, he said, Dad, where's that in the Bible? I pretended I didn't hear him, because I didn't know where it was in the Bible. But he had the right question. Where's that in the Bible? Uh, it does, it, it, I learned uh, the hard way. It doesn't pay to be dogmatic about very many things if it's not in the Bible. Uh, you know, we can make it a law, uh, but uh, that doesn't make it right. I remember I was uh, chewing out my youngest son. We never had hardly had any trouble with Stephen. That's because I grew up. Yeah, he was ten years later than the other two. Uh, and that's when I grew up, and so we, I didn't impose all this. I didn't like make him live in a box. And, uh, and so he, he just never gave us any trouble. We had our fights. I used to fight with my kids all the time, physically, for a while. And I remember the last fight I had with my youngest son. He came in one night late. I jumped on him. <laughs> we were wrestling all over, the, all over the place. We were knocking things over. <laughs> It was a riot. And I thought to myself, this is the last fight I'm fighting him. <laughs> this is too hard. <laughs> he made me a believer that night. <laughs> I think he restrained himself. But I remember one time with Steve, I was chewing him out. I mean, he'd done, he, did, he did something, and I was railing on him. And he looked at me, and he said this, Dad... I read my Bible every day. I felt like slinking away. <laughs> Forget what I said to you. That was my goal. You can't get any better than that, can you? Well, the Word of God does change us. And uh, it does speak to the issues of conduct. Verse number 17, boy, we don't want to leave this out this morning. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each man's work, the judgment of God, that motivates us to walk a holy life. It should. 
Uh, and this is referring here not to the great white throne judgment, but to the judgment of the believer's works, the judgment seat of Christ. One of these days when the Lord comes back, all of us, the Bible says in Romans 14 and 2 Corinthians 5, must stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And uh, we must give an account of the work which we have done, and our work will be tested. Uh, and, the, and the reasoning behind that whole thing is to find out what kind of motives we have as we serve the Lord. We will never be judged for our sin because that's already been judged in Christ. We are saved completely uh, from our sins. But uh, this is a family judgment that God deals with his children. And uh, since we are saved, he wants to know uh, what our motives were for our Christian service. And that's why he chastens us in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 12 because he wants to get down to the motives of why we serve him. Uh, do we serve him for a profit? Boy, that's the wrong motive, isn't it? Uh, do we serve him for, uh, for, for some extraneous uh, reason uh, for ourselves? And so he works through all of that. I'm convinced that in the beginning of my ministry, I, I did a lot of Christian service because it made me feel good. It, it, it supported my ego. It made me feel like I was accomplishing something and people would pat me on the back and say, hey, listen, that was really good. Uh, I'm, I am also convinced that all of that will be burned up at the judgment seat of Christ. And I think whenever the rewards are given out, the Lord will say to me, John, I have this little shanty out here in the back for you. Uh, and all, a lot of people you knew, they live up there in the hill. They have the mansions. Uh, that's all right with me. But uh, I'm more aware of this now. And I hope you will be too. The last thing that helps us in our service for the Lord is the love of God. His love for us. We were redeemed not with corruptible things such as silver and gold received by tr tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, the love of God. Verse number eight. The highest motive for for holy living is because we love God. Service out of love is the greatest service, isn't it? You know, you'll serve the Lord out of intimidation for a short period. You'll serve the Lord uh, because people are putting pressure on you for a short time. But if you serve the Lord because of what he's done for you, uh, you'll be able to go the distance and you'll do it with joy. No regrets. Because of your love for Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, um, I, I just want to review something. You know, we, God wants us to, uh, to walk in a holy life, uh, and uh, he wants us to walk in light of his coming, in the light of his word, in the light of judgment to come for Christians, for their works. Uh, and uh, he wants us to be growing as a Christian. And so I know that there's no shortcuts to this. You know, you come to church and you think, you know, I guess maybe because I came to church I'll, uh, I'll, I'll grow. Probably not. Probably not. You'll be convicted, but you probably won't grow. Uh, growing in God is, uh, is 
having your mind changed. And the only way that that can happen is not by a 25-minute sermon on Sunday morning. Uh, the only way that can happen is with you getting together with God and, and, uh, and having these words in the Bible bounce off the page at you and change your heart and change your mind. And so if you're here today, don't, don't blame somebody because you just can't get up for it all or you, or you just feel defeated. Listen, don't blame anybody. Uh, you just take responsibility and make changes that you know need to be ch- made in your, in your life and, uh, and ask the Lord, Lord, give me a passion. Give me a desire to have my heart changed by what you say to me in your word. And God will do that. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for uh, your word today. It's a light unto our path. It's a light uh, to, uh, to guide us through life. And we pray now that as we come to the conclusion of the service that you will just draw us in, Lord, to your will through what we've spoken today from the Bible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.